With every business you launch, you're going to hit a point in your business where you've got to make a decision. And that decision is, do I add people? Do I go it solo? Do I really create a, a lifestyle business where I can kind of sit back and be the solo person collecting some paychecks, but still there's not people to really take it and push it forward and do it for me? Or am I going to tra- create a real business? Okay, what most people do is most people, honestly, if you've ever looked at the Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it talks about the different levels of 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 ownership in a business, right? You've got self-employed, which is you're the person, probably the sole person, maybe one or two people, but you're working it every day. It's just like a job for you where you, you've got to show up every day to, to collect that, that check. Okay. Another part of the quadrant, and I'm going to get this wrong a little bit, but another part of quadrant, you're, you know, you're an entrepreneur where you're starting to build a team. Okay. That team is starting to push things forward. You can pull back and, and, and have a little bit of time off, but where that team is really pushing things forward for you while you're gone. And then you've got the investor. And once again, I know I'm missing one in here, but then you've got the investor and the investor is a person where they use their money and they put, they put up money and resources to then buy companies or buy shares of companies, but they don't really operate in the business on the day-to-day. They have their money going out there working for them. And once can find the, the, the Kiyosaki cash flow quadrant, I think is what it's called. I'm just going to look it up right now really quick to make sure I'm not completely butchering it for y'all. Okay, but it's employee, business, or it's employee, self-employed, business owner, investor. Okay, so where are you there? Are you an employee? Are you self-employed, but you've got yourself a job that you built? Are you a business owner where you've got a team of people who are doing things for you and you've outsourced some things and you've empowered people and created systems uh, and then you can step away from the business or are you an investor where you're not working in the business at all, but it's reaping rewards for you? Well, on today's episode of the Carrot Cast, I've got my friend Jason Lucchese on here and Jason has gone through this himself. He, he's hit all parts of the quadrant and we're going to be talking today about how do you go from self-employed to being a business owner? How do you go from self-employed to be a business owner? Let's talk about his story, how he got into real estate, how he built his business in a way towards still a small business. They do six to seven deals a month, but he's not active in the day-to-day in the business at all, which is how you get true freedom, which is how you can really sink your teeth into the things you love to do in your business rather than being trapped by the things you don't. Okay. So we're going to talk about how to go from self-employed to being a business owner and the resources he's gone through, some of the, the failure points I've gone through, he's gone through and all in between on his story. All right. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome you into this carrot cast with uh, Jason Lucchese and make sure he put out a book. Okay. Make sure to go get his book. If you resonate with this message at all, it's called right flipping now. And it walks through his story all the way from start to finish, gives his systems, the struggles he went through, the pain points that you're probably going through right now and how he got over them as an entrepreneur and as a real estate investor. All right. So check out right flipping now on Amazon and listen to Jason's story and how he went from uh, from employee, had a job, to self-employed. He built himself a job, had high stress, to business owner and also investor in sub, se- some segments of his business. All right. Welcome on into the Caracast, Jason. Hey guys and gals, this is Trevor with Carrot, and I've got got an amazing guest on today. And and uh, Jason, I've been been trying to connect for the past several weeks and and hop on here, and I'm so thankful that that we can get on here and, and chat. And uh, and Jason, I go back shoot uh, before I introduce you to him. I'll kind of give you some some context here. Uh, Jason and I go back, shoot, probably five or six years. I don't know exactly the year that we first met and first came across each other, but. Um, 
we're so fortunate to have him out to my mastermind, the mastermind that I put on. We've talked about it here in the Carrot Cast. We did an episode, I think, two or three episodes ago with, with uh, Jason Medley, another Jason, uh, on masterminds and the value of a mastermind. And, and uh, Jason Lucchese came out here to our mastermind in Bend last year, Bend, Oregon, along with some other amazing entrepreneurs and investors. And uh, ever since then, it's like, man, we need to get need to get you on the carrot cast, man, and show what you're doing and teach people what you're doing because you're doing some really cool stuff on the investing side as an entrepreneur. And I always love digging into the story behind the entrepreneur because the mechanics of investing can be found easily, right? You find a good mentor, find some articles, things like that. I love digging into the mechanics or the uh, I love digging into the story, what makes that entrepreneur tick. So, Jason, welcome on the carrot cast, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Trevor. Um this feels like uh, you know Jay Leno inviting me on his show, man. I'm, I'm just <laughs> yeah. super pumped. Well, the funny thing is, Jay Leno doesn't have a show anymore, so hopefully, <laughs> I'll mess with you. It's Jimmy Fallon. There we go. There we go, dude. So first of all, um, I'm I'm really always fascinated by what what entrepreneurs surround themselves every day because I know um, a lot of us have seen that graphic circle the Facebook rounds where it shows the day in the life of an entrepreneur. And it's like the stock market, but amplified, right? Where you wake up in the morning, you're ready to charge. And then you have this dip. And then I wouldn't say my days like that. I think the year is like that, though. You know, you don't have, you're not always up all the time. You're not always down, but you hope you're heading in the right direction. And I see some awesome quotes behind you. And uh, for people watching the, the video version of this, if you guys are watching the video version on YouTube, sweet, you can see what I'm going to talk about. If not, and you're listening on iTunes, head over to YouTube, find our channel for Carrot, subscribe there as well so you can get both the experiences. But explain why you put those quotes up on your wall. What else do you surround yourself with to keep in the right mindset as an entrepreneur? Sure, man. So I've got the Einstein one behind me. And it's just a reminder to not get complacent doing the same things over and over and over again, because Mm -hmm. the definition is just pure insanity. Mm -hmm. And everything that he was about, I just absolutely, you know, love, you know, he's Big inspiration. I've got Steve Jobs behind me. I'll I'll take you for a quick little. Uh, So we've got good old Steve Jobs right here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his is uh, because of the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Mm -hmm. And I like that one a lot. We've got, let me see, got Arnold right here. This (laughs) one says, don't ask me what I take. Ask me what it takes. (laughs) That's cool. And then growing up in Chicago, I've got Jordan right here. Yep. I've got a little bit of a glare. But he says, I can accept failure. Uh, everyone fails at something, but I can't accept not trying. I've got Tony Robbins here. Um, the path to success is to take massive determined action. And then last one here is JFK. Mm-hmm. Those who dare to fail miserably can achieve greatly. Mm-hmm. And, and then, I, you know, I've got some – Buddhist stuff right here. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing crazy. I'm not Buddhist or anything, <laughs> but it's just uh I don't know. My my wife's into all that kind of stuff and I I like it. It's cool stuff. Um yeah. but no, I, I put those up in my office. Uh just you know, those are people that like inspire me, motivate me, because you know, sometimes, you know, it is it's lonely here in the office. Mm-hmm. So when I look up it just you know, I look over and I'm like, man, you know, these guys did it from absolutely nothing except for JFK. He yeah. came from money. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just inspires me to really just, you know, 
look myself in the mirror every day and say, give it your absolute best, mm-hmm. you know, just try and be better than the person you were yesterday. And dude, it's, it's so important. Like I said, to, to surround ourselves with that type of stuff. Um, if you, if you walk through the carrot offices here, we've got things all over the office that kind of help yeah. us trigger our mindset. When you first walk up the stairs here in offices, there's this big canvas that says never get up or never get up. Never, that'd be a bad one. Never, never, <laughs> never give up. Uh, it says never give up because the time it'll take to, to succeed. And um, right. it's like, man, you got to surround yourself with that stuff. So I love it, dude. I saw those up there. I'm like, all right, I, I got to bring that up because if you're listening to this episode of the carrot cast and you're not surrounding yourselves, guys and gals with things that fire you up, but also things that just get your mindset in that right spot when you need it. Uh, I would highly suggest you do. So you mentioned you're working out of your home office today. I want to give people context for, first of all, what your business is. And then we're going to dive into your story. We're going to dig into some real actionable stuff that people can take as an investor or an entrepreneur. But dude, what, what's your business look like today? Um, what do you do uh, for, for your focus? Uh, do you have a team? What, what's that look like? Um, what, it, whatever you're willing to share, but what's the size of your business now as far as deal volume, if that's something you're willing to share? Then we'll dig sure. into some, some of your story. Yeah, no. I, my business is pretty simple. Um, I'm, I like to go off of the – I think you may have turned me on to this book. It may actually be behind you, Essentialism. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's back there, yep, for sure. Yeah. So I like to keep things uh, super, super simple. And my real estate investing business, um, we, we are still active. Uh, 70% of my business is wholesaling. The other 30% is building my own portfolio with buy and hold properties. Mm. So we're still doing anywhere between six to seven wholesales uh, per month. And sometimes that may include like an apartment building uh, that we're flipping but most of our transactions are residential, but I am getting in more into commercial uh, properties as well. And then on top of that, we have our education companies where, you know, we are helping others out. That's like one of my main passions. And it just really, you know, I get more excited seeing somebody else that, you know, is 20 grand in debt and they're just wanting to get out of the rat race and they do their first deal mm-hmm. and they, you could, you could see in their face like the shackles are are you know coming off of their hands and ankles and they're realizing like they could do and be so much more in the world. So that's one of my main focuses and it's a pretty small team. It's me and three other people mm-hmm. and everybody gets to work remotely. Um, there's only one other person here in Indy and then the other two are in – other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Dude, so what's your day look like? You know, so you've got the remote team, you guys are buying mainly in Indy, but you're, you're starting to do some other stuff outside. What's, what's your day look like, dude? You get up in the morning and what does Jason do? <laughs> um, you know, right now I, I like to keep things balanced. So it's not all like work, 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 work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I will, I still do, uh, instructing once a week, um, at Krav Maga, it's a Israeli martial arts. Hmm. And I've been doing that now for a few years cool. and I really enjoy that. So that's only once a week, but my, my normal day looks like really spending some time with the kids before they go to school. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just getting my mind right before I hop in and start doing work. And typically how work is, it's just, you know, I typically write down five things that I need to accomplish before I can move on to any other tasks. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I like to use the whole Ivy Lee thing that, you know, the principle that he gave to to Carnegie 
uh, when he was helping out with Bethlehem Steel. Mm-hmm. I just I, I like to keep it simple. I don't like to overwhelm myself. And I'll just put down five things that I need to accomplish and either it be uh, putting together a new training or putting together some new content for, you know, people to be successful mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I like to, to still do all that kind of stuff. I've kind of removed myself from looking at properties and all that kind of stuff. But right now it's just, you know, how can I add value uh, to the customer experience right now mm-hmm. that, you know, will help them get their first deal closed or help them scale their business up to where it's, it's actually an actual business mm-hmm. to where, they left for two weeks, it would still be running. Dude, I, I want to talk about something really quick that I, I don't know that really ever gets talked about. And I was I was reading, man, it was it was in one of those Facebook forums, like for wholesaling or something, right? And I've I've seen this come up a lot over the years, and it's something that I look at it and like, man, that person just doesn't think about it in the way that the way that that a lot of people do. And here's what I mean. So I was reading this Facebook thread the other day, and multiple people were saying, hey. If someone's so successful in what they do, why why are they going out there teaching other people about it? Why, why don't they just like double down on that business? And the reason I asked you what your day looks like was very specific. And, and, and you said the things I'm like, okay, this is why he's teaching. You said the words, I'm removed from my business now, right? And, yeah. and where, where I am with Kara right now, we teach a lot of, we, we teach our clients lots of stuff, right? But, um, I, I'm, I'm so involved in the day to day into our business because I want to be at this phase, but eventually probably I'll be moving, moving out of the, a lot of the day to day. And I'm passionate about teaching, dude. That's why I do the podcast, right? And once I yeah. get to that point, I'm sure there will be some coaching that I'll do for other entrepreneurs or SaaS company owners or whatever it is. And that's something I want to put out there because there's this misnomer out there in the world that that if if someone decides to do coaching or do training, that it's because that they're not successful in the business. I think it's the opposite. Now there are some people who there are some people who do it and they haven't got got it yet, which you're not one of them because I've known you for right. years and I, I know personally that you do it um, and you're 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 legit. But on the other side of complexity, if you can cross over that line of complexity where you start a business really complex because you're the only one. And then you start to build the team, which complex once again, because you're trying to teach people and figure out your systems and this and that. And right. then eventually you break through that line of complexity where, where business actually becomes easier and it frees up half of your time or whatever it is where you can do things like coaching and do things you're passionate about. Um, dude, at what point did you kind of break through that line of complexity for you and your business? How far into your business was it? It was actually 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 2012. Uh, a mutual friend of ours, Nathan Jurowitz, mm-hmm. uh, was the one who kind of, you know, was pushing me towards, you know, doing this whole circuit with, you know, education and all that kind of stuff. Because at first, like, I, I was a little skeptical on it just because I was happy with what I was doing. But mm-hmm. once we started helping, you know, a, a few people right off the bat, I was just completely thrilled with it. Yeah. It just, uh, you know, we get excited when closings happen, especially like my first one. You mentioned uh, Jason Medley, and he he was actually the first person to help me bridge the gap with financing uh, to get my first deal closed. And that was a great, great feeling. And now when we see students uh, have that success, that's the same type of feeling that I'm having over and over again. Yep. So it's just it, – it manifested from 2012, and I know – being with you and your masterminds and stuff, it's just surrounding yourself with people that 
keep you know having you level your game up is always key too. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. So everyone listening to this or watching the video version, um, make sure, like I said, that you're you're going into your business with a lot of intentionality. We've talked about unique ability before on this podcast, where it's the stuff that you're really good at, and you could be world class at it if you work enough. And it just really energizes you. And and the more that you can grow your business to work those things into your business, the, the happier you're going to be. And honestly, the more successful your business is going to be. Um, dude, have, have you put any time or, or any thought, I'm sure you have, into kind of like drilling down your unique abilities, the things that you're really good at? And it just gives you energy, the stuff that just absolutely gives you energy in your business. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You, you asked that um, – because like the past five days, I've been waking up much more earlier mm-hmm. uh, in the day, and I've just been feeling much more energized. And it's like a natural waking up, mm-hmm. like no alarm, anything. I'm normally up an hour before my alarm says so, and it's crazy. Uh, it's because you know I, I'm getting more like refined with how I'm helping people. Like our membership platform, I'm spending like th- tens of thousands of dollars to make it like. Like you said, I don't want to say world class because I don't want to toot my own horn, Mm -hmm. but we're doing it that way to where the customer experience or the investor experience is going to be greatly enhanced. And what I mean by that is like we're in a space where we're in a business opportunity slash self-help space and the average completion ratio combined is like four and a half to five and a half percent for somebody getting involved in our training Mm -hmm. I have figured out a way from a a friend of mine um, through a different type of methodology to get that number closer to 24, 26%. Mm -hmm. So the only thing, I'm not gaining anything out of it, but I want others to to gain from that too. And I think uh, uh, what I guess my power, I guess, maybe is, you know, being able to translate to others on how to replicate and duplicate what not only what I've done, but what others have done in their businesses too. And it just goes back to, I guess, me being from the Midwest. I I don't talk like I'm from New York or anything like that, a million miles per hour. (laughs) I just try and articulate things the way like I personally like to learn. I like, you know, doing, um, audios and videos just like this. I, to be honest with you, uh, the the book that I, I told you about earlier, Essentialism, I bought the book, but I, I went through the audio uh, before I even read it, mm-hmm. just because I normally get really bored uh, reading books. Yeah. Uh, I like to listen to the audios. So I would say that's one of the powers, man. I know I went a little off good. tangent there. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're good. And, and it's important with that stuff because when, when you kind of recognize those unique abilities or superpowers or whatever it is that you call them, um, you, you can, you can recognize how to structure your day and structure your business to, to lead toward giving you energy versus zapping it. And, and that for you, it sounds like you love coaching, you love teaching, you love breaking down, uh, complicated, uh, concepts and make them easier to understand, which is part of the reason why you've been able to grow a team that runs your business for you. Right. right. You know, I, I want to talk about that here in a little bit because you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to grow a team that can run your wholesaling business for you and do six or seven deals a month without being able to do those things I just mentioned. And then of course right. you, it makes it really easy for you to translate that into helping other people. So do building your team. Uh, you got, a, you got a team of about three people. Um, you're pretty hands off. Kind of how, how, how does it work when let's say a lead comes in? Where are you getting your, 
your leads right now? What, what type of marketing are you doing? And then what's the flow look like with your team? And are you involved in any part of it now? Yeah, no. So <clears throat> I don't really oversee that much anymore just because of the, the training that I've been able to put forth for them to, to review. But, mm-hmm. you know, I still like to do like a, a weekly call with the team. And <clears throat> uh, what we're doing is we're doing some direct mailers, Right now, we're doing like a yellow letter and a white letter, and we're also getting leads from our direct sources uh, that we've been able to get off of LinkedIn. Uh, we, we work directly with banks and hedge funds mm-hmm. and private equity firms uh, to get deals. So those relationships are already there, and once we start that communication, it's pretty easy to start getting deal flow on a, on a monthly basis. So typically what I have is I have a I normally have an acquisitions and liquidations manager, but what I did was I, I merged those two people together because I, I felt like that it could be a one-person job, and yep. from what I've been able to gather, it is. And then another individual um, is set as a project manager and closing coordinator, mm. so they just oversee that you know the acquisitions liquidations department is you know properly having the the flow of the deal going through. And then from there, uh, the closing agent reviews title. They make sure everything's good to go. They line everything up. Closing takes place. Um, and we have a limited power of attorney signed on all of our deals to where we don't attend the closings mm-hmm. and we don't pick up checks. We just have wires directly uh, sent to our account. Yeah. So it's, yep. it's a pretty hands-off even for the team. Um, so – we have that. And then I have somebody also for the educational side of the company too, that handles customer service. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we also have like a, uh, the customer service person also does support, uh, for the team as well. Oh, cool. Sweet, sweet, sweet dude. So, so when let's, let's go all the way back. So when did you start investing in real estate? What were you doing before, before that? What, what was your, what was your life story before that? Yeah, man. Um, I got full time into real estate in 2008. And before that, I was in the mortgage business. Mm. I started off in the mortgage business like right around 19. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never went to school, just never had a passion for it. And I just got into the to adulthood pretty quickly. Yeah. And I, I got in the mortgage business. I worked my way up pretty high with uh, a company called Countrywide Home Loans. Yep. And then I saw the writing on the wall when August 2007 hit. That's when the subprime market bottomed out. Mm -hmm. And and it was just, you know, a bloodbath (laughs) over at Countrywide. Uh, Everybody was upset. Our stocks hit, uh, you know, it was an all-time high at 43. And then all all of a sudden it it took a nosedive to $19 literally overnight. Mm -hmm. And I I lost a a, a huge amount of money. Mm Mm-hmm. And we were living at that time on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, I moved out there for Countrywide for an opportunity for, for more money. And then we just left and we came back here to, to Indianapolis. And the only jobs that I could get were 100% commission jobs. Mm. So I just figured, hey, I'm going to jump all in and do this whole real estate thing. Mm-hmm. And I did. And it, it took a while for it to, to really kick off and you know to where I, I could really see uh, deals start coming in. So were you, were you doing wholesaling out of the gates or were you doing flipping or kind of what was your focus out out of the gates? Um, it was initially like, you know, I was watching, you know, the reality flipping TV shows. So my whole main thing was 
I want to get in. I want to rehab houses. I want to be like the people on, on TV. So I started going around looking for houses that, you know, looked dilapidated or they just were fixer uppers. Yeah. And, you know, I was having a tough time getting properties at the prices that I, I wanted to, to get them at. Yep. So I just, I had to pass. And that's when I, um, started getting into short sales. Mm-hmm. I started doing short sales, um, quite a bit actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love doing short sales and that's what I got into. So I was essentially getting into wholesales and, uh, doing what's called the A to B, B to C transaction. Mm-hmm. So I would buy at a really good, uh, discount and then I would sell it, uh, at a discount still to where, you know, somebody would really, uh, have a great deal on their hands. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then, so the, the market's changed a lot, right? So t- today, today, obviously short sales aren't as big of a thing at all. Um, and in the market's changed a lot where there's a lot more competition these days, both on the agent side, investor side, sellers have more options to sell. So how, how did you switch your business model and evolve as the market evolved? And the reason I'm throwing this out there is because, um, the market's evolving right now and a lot of people aren't, aren't catching up with it or they don't know it's happening. And a lot of people are going to be caught with their pants down in, in some deals right now where they're, where they're overbuying them. Yeah. And so if people think of, Oh my gosh, the only big market evolution happened, you know, 2008 uh, through 2012, 13, it's like, we're going through one right now, guys and gals. And if you're not looking at what your market's actually doing, you might be uh, heading in the wrong direction. So what happened from let's say 2008 9 10 11 12 up to up through today how does your business model change because of market conditions no man it i started uh shifting quite a bit in 2011 mm-hmm. i start stopped doing short sales and i started focusing on non-performing notes and just developing and really refining how i could find deals that weren't on the mls mm-hmm. and that's when i started you know just Using LinkedIn, other than you know, you what most people think it is is you post up your resume and you know you try and get a job through through LinkedIn, but it's such a an amazing opportunity to where we were finding direct access to banks and hedge funds and private equity firms, and we were getting and we still are getting deals at substantial discounts <laughs> because the market is changing. It's changing to where it's we're almost going to see almost another two thousand eight happen. Mm-hmm. The market correction is more than likely going to happen again here pretty soon. You know from being in the business a while, we're very cyclical, and typically the market correction happens once every 10 years or so. Yep. Um, and right into, in 2010, 2011, the hedge funds got in. They bought up a ton of properties at like 100 to 110% of what the fair market value was, mm-hmm. and now a lot of those hedge funds – they're coming due. Mm. So they're going to, like you said, they're going to be caught with their pants down and they're going to be trying to liquidate those properties and they're going to be flooding the market, which is going to be a lot of saturation. Mm. It's going to also dilute values yep. as well. So we're going to, we're going to see something here, but I, I don't have a magic ball or anything. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell when it's going to happen, but I've, I definitely have been saying it for a long time now that, that it's going to happen here. Um, I said probably six, 12 months ago that it would happen in about maybe like 18 months to 24 months. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're right around there. We're, we're starting to see some things. The Dow's at an all-time high. Um, it's just a lot of things seem really inflated right now. Yep. 
Yep. And dude, and that's one thing I'm, I'm always fascinated about is looking at data and looking at trends and, and how do you make sure that, that the data and trends are on your side instead of you're on the back end of them looking back and go, man, I wish I would have known that was going to happen or right. you know, whatever, which I think a lot of people are looking back. People who have been through that cycle, they're looking back and going, okay, next time around, I'm going to, I'm going to be smarter with this. And hopefully they are. But in, in a market like now where things are getting inflated, some markets are still crazy hot as far as selling. Portland, dude, is insane. Like Portland's, yeah. Portland's prices for housing is higher now than it was in 2006 and seven by far. And you're looking at it going like, it's crazy. And there's several factors why it's happening. But what should an investor do in, in a phase like this, just in your opinion, um, to make sure to capitalize on the opportunities, but also protect themselves from the impending changes that will likely happen? Yeah, I would recommend not getting involved in deals that are going to be putting you in a spot to where you're going to be over leveraged Mm -hmm. because that's what happened with a lot of investors in 2008. They had loans from hard money lenders or they had loans from banks and they were just over leveraged. The bottom fell out and they're way upside down. They ended up having a bunch of foreclosures Mm -hmm. and it put them in a really rough spot. So I would say make sure that you're doing your numbers properly and calculating the deal to make sure it really is a deal. Mm -hmm. You know, I personally don't like getting involved in a deal if it's over our MAO, our maximum allowable offer. Mm -hmm. I like to stay at 65% ARV. But you know what? Like you said, if it's competitive markets, we're going to go up. You know, we've gone up to 80% ARV before, but... Again, we like to do wholesaling, so we like to be in and out as quickly as possible. The main people that will probably have, I don't want to say issues, but some major, major roadblocks are people that get involved in the rehab game Mm -hmm. and they over leverage themselves either with private money, hard money, or even bank money. Um, It's going to definitely be something to where they have to make sure their numbers make sense. Mm-hmm. And especially when, when you're rehabbing, you've got the however long it takes to actually get the property fixed up, you know, a month, two months, six months, whatever your turnaround time is. Right. Things can happen during that time. And if, if I, I was talking with a carrot customer four or five, six months back and he, he goes, man, he was, we were, this is in Florida. He said, man, we were buying up properties left and right, you know, back in the day, six, seven yeah. years ago. And he said, he said the business was tough then for him because he wasn't, they weren't, they weren't able to really cash in on a lot of that. They're like, okay, we're going in and buying these. They started holding it, holding them. Um, they would then rent them out for his, you know, the cash flow that they could get. I'm not saying this is the right model. I'm saying this is what they did. And he's yeah. like, they recognize the impending shift, especially in South Florida. Dude, they've been mm-hmm. selling off their portfolio and they have like 70 or 80 houses. They've been selling that thing off right now. And he said they're going to keep a couple of them, get them paid off. But he's like, man, right now there's so many new investors coming into the market. So much uh, you know, dumb money, really, where, where people just haven't educated themselves well enough on this stuff. Yet they see the hype. And the people who bought low, they're just liquidating their portfolios now. And he's got about $3 bucks and in equity sitting there that just all of a sudden materialized in the past two or three years as markets went up high. Um, so, so important guys, because if you're listening to this, make sure you understand markets, understand your market, understand yeah. where you are right now in the market. Look back at the historical, um, the indicators over the past decade and see what things looked like in 2005, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, and how they compare to today. Um, important stuff. Crazy. Oh, sure. So dude, um, 
on, on the wholesaling side, you're, you guys are doing six or seven deals a month right now. Do you see, like, as, as the market changed, do you see you guys changing strategy a little bit over the next 24 months? Or are you guys just going to keep, keep holding true with what you've got going, just making sure your numbers are tight? You know, I'm still, yeah, the, I've actually changed the model up here recently. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not like a huge fan of doing rehabs. So it was like 20% last year Mm -hmm. and I've completely phased it out over the last 12 months from 20, 15, 10, and then just no more. Mm -hmm. So I like the model that we have now. It's very simplistic and we're getting deals at really good discounts from the sources that we have. Mm -hmm. So I don't really see that changing too much. I actually see probably doing some more buy and holds with um, apartments and self storage facilities. That's mm-hmm. probably the key thing that we're we're going to add on, um, just because some private money has been raised um, and that capital can be used yep. for uh, commercial properties. Mm-hmm. Which you know, the right opportunity comes aboard, we're we're more than likely going to tackle it. So, are you guys finding it's easier to raise capital right now than it was four or five years ago? Yeah, you know, just because a lot of investors, like you said, there there's a lot of new investors getting involved. Mm-hmm. The ones that are just throwing their money around are the ones you said that, you know, that's dumb money. Mm-hmm. The ones that are smart and realize right now is an opportunity to get involved before the shift happens, they they know that they don't know the business like we do. So they can do something with their capital and either see a huge loss or they can see eight to 10% made on, on a monthly payment that they receive and they have first lien position on the property. Mm-hmm. So it, as long as it's presented properly uh, to the, to the individual with the, with the capital, there's, there's no doubt that it's much easier than it was, you know, back in 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, uh, be, being in the startup side of things and, and listening to the people on you know the software side of things, right, where they're talking about, man, today it's so easy to get money if you're if you're a if you're a business, um, you're going out there to get funding, let's say in the technology sector, and uh, a lot of those people are going, man, like go out there if you're looking to get money, get money now because it's easier now than it was probably ever in the in the past decade. Um, and they're also seeing a shift there. Like they, they see that things are, are at a point to where they're overinflated at the moment. Um, there's a lot of money sources going in there to, and a lot of these people are really smart too. They just for some reason aren't doing their research or they're over optimistic where they should buff it a little bit or something. But um, where they're going in there going, okay, markets are hot. People are p- piling money in. Get that money now if you need the money to scale your business. And I think a lot of it's the same thing with real estate right now where, where if you can get access to the capital but not over leverage like you're mentioning, uh, make sure the numbers are dialed in. It's like a great, great opportunity right now for sure in a big way. Um, Absolutely. Dude, so, so what's, what's next for you? I know you, you, put, you put out a book, which uh, I love yeah. the title of the book. So tell people about, about the book and why you chose to, to write a book first of all. You know, I chose to write a book mainly because, you know, I wanted to, to leave something behind more than just monetary things for, for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to show them that, you know, I, one of the chapters is called Voted uh, Least Likely to Succeed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, even a friend of mine that I knew uh, was surprised that I did it. He was like, man, 
if you would have told me freshman year of high school that you would have wrote a book, I would have been like, <laughs> man, that, that's crazy. You never do your homework. You don't read. Um, you know, you're not the, the typical type of person to do that. So mm-hmm. I wanted to just not not just prove myself wrong, but I wanted to put that book out there just in case something happens yep. to me. Um, you know, my kids, you know, have my story because a lot of it is, you know, a lot of the things that I had to overcome. Uh, as a child and in my my teens that I really had to tackle and overcome. And that's just like the first couple of chapters. And, um, you know, it's just my, there was some stuff in there. My wife was like, I didn't even know this about you. So (laughs) I really put it all out there. You know, I recently spoke at our local RIA here and one of the guys was like, man, I really appreciate you just sharing as much as you shared. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh man, that really means a lot to me. So you know, I, I just shared about some of the, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that I've done in business, um, you know, how I'm doing some of the stuff I'm doing right now uh, for investing. And I probably put all of our all of our tools and resources are in there, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I literally held nothing back uh, in the book. Dude, so I'm, I've, I've got the, the digital version of the first uh segment of the book here just through amazon right so you guys can go on onto amazon and look for it. the title of the book is called right flipping now uh, create the life you want flipping real estate of course with jason lucchese l-u-c-c-h-e-s-i and i, I dude i want to read through the table of contents because um on, on my on my life list actually right here if you guys are looking at the video version of this i'll oh, give me one second here one second so here we go so in 2009 or 2010, I wrote the first, very first version of my life list. And for me, I, I like the term life list better than bucket list because bucket list is like, I don't know, you're dying. Life list is like, here's how I'm going to live. So <laughs> anyway, but uh, I wrote it and this is the exact piece of paper. Um, I'm not sure if uh, it's actually showing up in here, but yeah, this is the exact piece of paper right here. Tattered, some torn stuff. I've had to rewrite over the top of some of it because I made the mistake of writing some of it in pencil. But um, there's over 100 items on here, and it's all the way from small stuff to, to, to really big stuff. And one of the items on here, uh, somewhere in here, is write a book. And I think a lot of us have that aspiration to to write a book, to share what it is that we've learned, and um, and to leave that legacy. And hopefully, I hopefully I've got a few books in me, you know, where I can really teach some good topics and stuff. So I really admire that you stepped out there and did that. But I want to, I want to blow through some of these right here. So you've got, you know, like you mentioned, chapter one, most, voted most likely to not succeed. Then it goes into uh, new knife selling champion, building my mind, body, building my body, my mind, the mortgage whippersnapper, second rung of the ladder, giving up my day job, packing it in or packing in below rock bottom. So you hit rock bottom. It sounds like, uh, yeah. hello, wholesaling. So you got to introduce the wholesaling, uh, precarious birth, precarious life, one deal down, plan A, running the business without it running me. That's a huge one right there. I want to circle back to that here in a second. Uh, yeah. Pipeline dreams while it lasts, all systems stop. Surrender the dream, uh, question mark. Follow the money. Little known secrets equal big money. Uh, I'm, I mean, this, there's great stuff in here, guys. I guess modern prospecting, expanding your business reach, monetizing diamonds in the rough, assembling your dream team, which we talked about that a little bit ago. Long-term in, income protection. Way too many people are sh- thinking short-term in this market. Work-life balance does exist. And then you've got in closing your top producer tools and recommendations. Dude, what what do you have a favorite chapter in this book that you just really enjoyed enjoyed oh, writing? Jesus. Uh, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> um, 
you know, I, you know, it's probably, it would probably be the first one right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was, that was a really eye opener one because what I did was I, I did all of it transcription wise. Mm-hmm. So I, I recorded every single chapter mm-hmm. and I, I hired an editor and she, she had me pull out so many of like the feelings, the thoughts, and that's, that's the stuff I didn't know about mm-hmm. getting into writing a book. Yeah. Because people really need to visualize what you were going through at that point in time. So reliving it and really just putting it out there has gotten a, a like the, the elephant out of the room per se. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it was definitely really good, man. Uh, chapter one's good, but I, I really did my, my best with putting as much in there as possible. And, um, you know, I'm going to be following it up here. I'm going to probably start working on another book probably in July. Cool. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun for sure. <laughs> dude. So chapter 13, running the business without it running me. Um, dude, I, I could do an entire podcast on that chapter, I think. And <laughs> what, what did you learn? So here, let me, let me reverse. You, 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 you dove in and started your real estate business. I'm sure you had some sort of dream or ideal on what this would look like coming from the outside in. And then reality set in on this is what I created. Yeah. And then it sounds like you probably made some sort of a shift because the business was running you. And it wasn't that dream that you had, you had, you had put it up as an ideal before you, before you started. So explain to me when, when, when you got to the point in your business when it was running you, like what, 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 what did that look like? First of all, um, what, what did you experience during that? And then what got you out of that? What is in chapter 13 that, that made you switch and go, man, this, I, this business needs to serve me versus me serving it every day. I'll tell you what, man, it was, it was extremely stressful. It was hellacious. It was like I created another job for myself Mm -hmm. and it was, it was like, working at countrywide again, but except, you know, I wasn't guaranteed leads. I wasn't guaranteed a salary. I was just, it was my, my, my business Mm -hmm. and I didn't have anybody else to, to really turn to. I didn't want to burden my wife at the time. So I really, the big shift that happened for me was when I read, uh, the book Mm E-Myth. Um, you know, I, I started, you know, I started identifying myself as that baker, in the, in the, in the book, the, the apple or the, the pie, the pie person, the, the, uh, baker store owner. And I'm like, man, that sounds a lot like me, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it sounds like I have really no life, no balance, uh, you know, barely spending time with the kids. So I, I really just needed to start addressing like, how do I outsource the stuff that I don't like and just focus on the things that I do like. Mm-hmm. And I, what I really started to do at that time was uh, I started just recording everything that I was doing in my business. You know, I was recording how to do the contracts, how to talk to the, the sellers, how to talk to our cash buyers, how to send out an email to our cash buyers about a deal. I recorded everything. Mm-hmm. So what I ended up doing was I ended up creating our, our own standard operating procedures uh, for the company. And then what I was able to do is I could plug and play people into the company and they could start doing those things without me having to be over their shoulder every step of the way. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I would still have to help them and train them, but everything was there for them. They knew exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like a couple months in to where I noticed, like I took a couple days off and when I came back, nothing, nothing had stopped. Mm-hmm. It just kept going. So I was like, Oh man, I think I'm onto something here. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I really started to, to implement a lot of the things like Ray Kroc did. Well, not really Ray Kroc. It was the McDonald brothers that, you know, revolutionized, you know, the, the fast food industry with their methodology with getting food out in 60 seconds or less. And it was all process. Mm. Um, and you know that I really started to identify that, that portion, um, is, you know, you need to have processes in place in order to, to really, you know, eliminate yourself from the business. Mm-hmm. Dude, was, was, was any of that tough for you? Cause I know for me, especially, especially when you're a solo entrepreneur at the start and you're used to doing all that stuff. I know for me, I, I had some difficulty handing some of that off, frankly. Um, what, what did you go through? It was scary. It was probably one of the scariest things. Uh, it's like, it's like giving, giving your child away mm-hmm. and hoping the person on the other end doesn't, you know, screw you over. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it was very fearful. Um, and I know you've skydived before, <laughs> but I never have. Um, it, it is something I would love to do, but it, it's, it's essentially like, you know, either you jump out the plane or you don't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to decide like, I'm just, you know what, I'm just going to jump because mm-hmm. right now it, it can't get any worse. Yep. So I just decided to make that decision and I, I watched it pretty closely, but then I just kind of took a, a seat back and saw how things could operate without me in there. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's, it's so funny that, and we've talked about this before on, on, on podcasts and webinars here at Carrot is it's so funny that we, we've all got that ideal, you know, we've got that, Hey, grass is greener or here's this ideal, or you see someone else and you, from the outside in, it looks like it's that, it's that social media filtered version, man. They, they're living the life. Everything's amazing. Um, and, and they probably are living the life, but the thing is if we, if we do it wrong and I'm not saying it's wrong, I think most of us have to go through this, but if, if, if you don't do it intentionally, to set it up to, 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 to give you true freedom, that very business, that very thing that you hoped was going to give you freedom traps you. And it happened yep. to me in my last business and yeah, all my fault, you know, hundred percent my fault. And that was kind of one thing going into this business. I'm like, that was one of my core things. I said, the business has to look like this. Otherwise I'm not doing it this time. Yeah. And, um, it's hard because you, you're giving up money out of the, out of the gates. And, yeah. um, I think when you're used to, bringing in, let's say 10 grand in a month and all 10 grand is yours. And now you start to build out a team and you bring in 10 grand and only six grand is yours. And you just took a pay cut, right? Yeah. But you've got to be in it for the long term. So what, what, what do you feel, what, what do you feel is the best advice for, let's say an investor who they're doing some deals? They, they, they might be a solo entrepreneur, maybe one or two people kind of helping with some stuff, but they're in that period where it's just a complete grind for them right now. And they do feel like they might be kind of trapped. They're probably making good money. Their friends look at them and go, man, that dude or that gal's got it, got it made. You know, they're hustling. They're doing this. They've got the fancy car. But it, deep inside, they're just like ground to a pulp. Uh, what, yeah. what kind of advice would you give that to that person? Well, the, the first thing that I, I would definitely recommend is start recording everything that you're doing within your business. Mm-hmm. Record all of the processes that you're doing. Like one of the softwares I use to 
record everything that I, I do for my laptop is a software called ScreenFlow. It's only a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You could record all of the processes on there and you could host them however you want. You could put them on YouTube for free and mark them unlisted. And you could just give out whatever videos you need to, uh, to your team and just start creating the processes that you envision within your company. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, like you really need to sit down and plan it first of all. Yeah. Like don't just wing it. Like take a full day, like a Monday or a Tuesday and really plan out like the stuff you hate doing in your business. Mm. If it's all of it, then you need to do a lot with building out processes within your business to where you could outsource it. Mm. If you want to outsource it to a virtual assistant or if you want to hire a couple of people, you know, like Trevor just said, you're more than likely going to have to sacrifice a little bit of your money to get people to come in. But as long as you're doing it the right way and you're putting the right processes in place, you're going to see that grow, mm-hmm. you know, two, three times over within a very short period of time. And not only that, you're going to get your life back. Mm-hmm. You're going to get that time back. It's not all about, you know, hey, what's my hourly rate wage off of making, you know, $10,000 per month. It, that's not what it's about. It's about the time that you get back. Yep. Because that's one of the things we can't buy more of. You know, if you're spending 16 hours a day in your business and you're just completely drained, you know, that's not a business. That's a job. Mm-hmm. So I would highly recommend just putting together the right processes that, that you can do and use. And some of the great tools that are free, you know, Google's got a ton of stuff that you can use that's absolutely free. Mm-hmm. And that's some of the stuff I would I would recommend, like. If you're just wanting to start with scaling, mm-hmm. you know, that that's what I would recommend. Just putting the processes in place. Once you have that plan for what needs to be recorded, just go out there and record it yep. and get it, get it done. Bang it out as fast as humanly possible. So, so, so once you got the processes in place, how, how are you, how are you making sure that they're actually doing the work? Like, do you have KPIs? Do you have key performance indicators? How do you, how do you make sure that you as the person who owns the company can oversee and go, okay. The, the machine is working as it is supposed to. And if it's not, you can see where it's broken. What, what do you do there? Yeah, we use a software called ProsperWorks, mm-hmm. which is uh, something that's from Google. Uh, we, we got on board with that and we could pretty much, we don't use like key performance indicators, but we're able to monitor exactly what the individual is doing throughout the whole day. Cool. And we can monitor their progress from a daily, weekly, and monthly performance and that's a really good way to just monitor what that person's doing. Um, I know there's other softwares out there. It's just one of the ones that I really like because I'm not the most tech uh, tech savage. Yeah. Uh, and, and Google really came out with something. I think it's pretty recent, um, probably within the last six months. Hmm. And it's just uh, really helped us out a lot. Um, it's $50 per user, but it's it's definitely well worth it. Cool. Sweet, man. So, guys. Get your processes recorded. Get them up onto a YouTube channel or onto a simple WordPress site. Or you could even use Carrot yeah. and hide those pages on Carrot, make them private, and give them to your team. Um, and then find some way to make sure that there's accountability for each one of those team members. They have a clear expectation of what they're supposed to do. There's some, I'm sure, some place that they're reporting the numbers. Hey, we got 14 leads this week, and this, and here's how many deals we're closing, and whatever. So make sure you're tracking all that. There's all kinds of resources on it. I'm sure Jason has all that stuff in his training programs and coaching and stuff like that. So you guys can reach out to Jason, uh, Google him there directly. But 
Dude, um, what, what are you most excited about right now in your business? Like last question here and then toss, toss one other thing at you, but what are you most excited about right now as an entrepreneur in your business uh, for this next year, next two years? I'm, I'm really wanting to grow the educational side to where we could just offer amazing experiences beyond what we're doing right mm-hmm. now. And either that be more events to where, you know, when people come in for a full three days, they're walking away, not just hyped up like they were at a Tony Robbins seminar, but knowing that when they get home Monday, they know what they're going to do for the next 30, 60 and 90 days and really have a rock solid business. Mm-hmm. Uh, because right now I, I, you know, would love to scale that side more and I'm, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's some of the stuff that I'm really excited about is cool. being able to have more people come on board to where we could do more one-on-one uh, coaching and consulting with them and mm-hmm. just really help folks get to where they want to be in life yeah. because most aren't living the life that they want. Dude, and good good coaches. I mean, as you know, good coaches are so in need right now because especially in a market like right now where everyone and their dog who's done five deals thinks they can start coaching real estate and you right. see that stuff. It's like – it's, it's so cool when, when guys like you who have been through a cycle, you know, I ideally find a coach who's been through the full cycle, you know, who's, who's seen it tank, who's seen it go back up and they can start to recognize things uh, as Jason has. And, um, ideally find a coach who has their business structured in a way that is probably the way that you want to do it. If you don't want to do 25 deals a month, you, you, you probably shouldn't be going and having someone coach you that has a business with 20 employees and doing 25 deals a month. You should probably have someone coach you that has the exact business and lifestyle that you're looking for. So yeah, reach out to Jason. Just find him on, uh, online, Jason Lucchese, L-U-C-C-H-E-S-I. Find the book. Uh, find the book, guys. Title, Right Flipping Now on Amazon. And, uh, dude, any other places that people can, uh, can reach out to you and follow you and learn from you and, and, uh, and, uh, let's get help. You know, if they want to Google me and, uh, come to the blog, you know, it's just my first name, uh, first and last name, Jason got tons of content on there. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of content that, you know, could help any level of investor, uh, experience. So brand new all the way on up to advanced, we've got tons of stuff on there. And you could come on, check it out, and yeah, reach out to us if you need any help. I'm an open book. I love to, you know, share with you as much as possible. Sweet. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story, and sharing some of the the, the difficult parts, and also some some of the really good parts. And uh, and yeah, I think guys and guys, if you enjoyed listening to uh, Jason's story and hearing some of the things he's doing, definitely go grab the book on Amazon. I mean, that's that's an amazing place to start because he's he just lays it all out over there. It's really affordable for everyone. Um, if you can't afford it, you should probably look at your budget and cut out the extra Starbucks or something like that because this is only – it's very, very affordable. And start there. And if you're in that spot in your business, sweet. Find a person that you can trust, a good mentor, a good coach, something like that. I actually myself have two coaches. So people think, well, shoot, uh, do you need a coach? Like, no, not everyone needs a coach. But I, I, I got a leadership coach about seven months ago. Not cheap. I pay 2500 bucks a month for it. So I invest in coaching. Uh, he comes into my office once a week. I have another coach on something else. So I think no matter what level you're in, find someone who can, who has been there, who can ask you the right questions, show the right things to do, uh, point out the things you're not noticing and, uh, and help you go. So Jason, man, any parting words for, uh, the, the carrot community? 
I, dude, I just absolutely love the, the carrot culture and everything that you and your company is about. It's a, it's a phenomenal tool that you have, a phenomenal resource with the, the carrot uh, product. It's I love the little carrot that you have behind you. I know uh, at the Mastermind, you, you brought a few of them in, in different pants. and There we yeah, go. There we go. Get, get, get the super carrot here. Do we got agent carrot now? Because we're we're rolling out agent carrot here within the next month or so. To real estate agents, so we had to make an agent carrot, dude. Super agent. Dude, I love that. Get that the little so- agent sign there for you. For you guys watching the video, this is the first first public <laughs> viewing of agent carrot. Agent carrot. I love that. Dude. That's right. I love, no, I, I love everything that you guys are doing, man. Um, it's it's a great culture, and I just want to say thanks for having me on here and, and plug in the book, man. That really means a lot to me. That um, you know, I hope some people will take advantage of it. If not, that's cool too. But you know, I really appreciate uh, your time and our time here on this podcast, man. I hope a lot of people get a lot of value out of it. So. Thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Dude, thank you. And guys and gals, uh, make sure you take at least one thing from this call. Like I always take at least one thing from this call and go do it. Uh, don't don't just take this call and move on to the next podcast and just keep on absorbing stuff and not taking action. So if it if it's creating the systems in your business, that's the next thing you need to be doing this week to give yourself more freedom in your business so you can do more of what you want to do. Uh, also, the next action I'm going to give you is go to CarrotCast.com and check out some back episodes because there's a lot of other CarrotCast episodes that will work great in conjunction with what you learned here today uh, with Jason. And uh, if, if you enjoyed it, please go to iTunes. Hit us up on iTunes. Subscribe there. We release the episodes one week before we release them on our website every week. So you get a little jump start on it. And also give us a rating if you enjoyed and got some value out of today. The ratings really, really help us. And they like a digital high five. They make sure that we uh, know that we're doing the right things or the wrong things. So please give us candid feedback over there. But thank you, Jason, for coming on. Everyone, have an amazing rest of the week. Go out there and be a beacon of positivity and possibility. And we'll talk next time.